Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Big shout out to all of our locations, Lakeville, Elk River, Maple Grove, Spring Lake Park, and those joining online. Hey, this is a really big week for us as a church, and uh, we have Mike Martell from Free International back with us again, one of our Kingdom Builders partners, and uh, his organization is coming in uh, and partnering with us and other organizations and churches in the Twin Cities because we're going to search for those who are lost, who are trafficked, who are abused and hurting and alone, and God is going to use us to rescue and seek and save the lost. Can I get an amen to that? It's happening this week, and the good news is we already have 145 people from Emmanuel signed up to volunteer on prayer teams, involved in going on the streets and doing other things, and I just want to give an opportunity as we head into this week to include everybody as a part of the church. You can participate. You can pray. You can join in. And Mike, why don't you just share with us what are, what's going to happen this week? Yeah, so excited to be here this week with you guys. We've been building up to this week for a while, as you all know. Uh, been getting emails from the city and everything because we're going to look for the most vulnerable missing in this city. This city needs help if you don't know that. But God chose Emmanuel as one of many churches in this city to be present in the middle of the need, right? God is our refuge and our strength, very present in time of trouble. And the big search was structured so that we could be very present among the missing, among the families of those who are missing, so we might minister healing and hope into those lives. Big search started back in 2009 as a Super Bowl outreach in Tampa Bay, and over the years, we've seen hundreds and hundreds that have been recovered through the process of looking for the missing. We just did a big search a week and a half ago in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Twelve kids were recovered for the glory of God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Previously in Vegas, we had 48 kids out of 63 we were looking for that were found because we were looking for them. People go, I mean, how'd you find so many kids? We were looking for them. We are so excited to be Kingdom Builder partners with this church because this is just going to be the beginning point of reaching the vulnerable and the exploited in this city. You guys are going to be a big part of that. You know, this, uh, this issue has been elevated a lot lately because the movie that's come out, people's curiosity has been peaked. And when we started Free International, um, boy, 16 years ago now, in fact, this is the 15th year of doing big searches. And we've been doing this, my wife and I, full-time for starting our 20th year. When we came back from telling those stories of India and coming into churches, people were like, what can we do? What can we do? And, and we're hearing that more than ever because of this movie. Our curiosity's peaked. How do we move our curiosity into action? Because if we're not willing to be present in the middle of the need and bring action into the moment, then we're not building the kingdom, are we? And that's why I love this church, present in this city, reaching the vulnerable, the exploited, and the trafficked until everyone is free. So this is going to be a big week. If you haven't signed up yet for that, like they said, you can hit that QR code. We have a great orientation and training Tuesday night here. I know people are going to be praying throughout the week. Uh, we'll find a way to get out all the faces that we're looking for. So even if you can't come to the church, volunteer and spread out throughout the city, you're going to see the faces that we're looking for. And you know, the thing is, once we look for those faces, we find a whole lot of other people who desperately need help as well. I got into a hotel I was staying in in town last night. When I showed up, 
there was four police officers with a young lady who was being trafficked right on the curb of the hotel I was at. Now they know about the big search and they want to be a part of it. How cool is that? Mm. The girl at the front desk, she told me, man, she just found out a week ago that her daughter had been raped as a senior in high school this year. She was broken. When we are present in the middle of this community, God uses us to make an impact in people's lives in the middle of their need. Amen. When we are present, the power of the kingdom flows, and God chose you, this church, all across this city, to reach the vulnerable and exploited, and we're happy to do that with you. Just the starting point for many more years of great work that we're going to do with you in this city. God bless you guys. Thanks, Pastor May. Praise God. Why don't you stay right here for a second? Church, I'd like you to stand up on all of our locations if you would stand with us. We're going to pray for this week, and we need the supernatural. How many? We're in battle with evil, and uh, demonic strongholds don't just give up easily. But we can pray, and God can help us. And we're going to pray that God would guide us. He would help law enforcement and those that we're working with, as well as the people on search teams, walking and praying that God would open doors and that he would do his work. And if you would, just stretch your hands out to heaven, if you would, and just say, Father, we're coming before you. Lord, we ask God that, Lord, you would remember the one who left the 99. Maybe they were ripped out. Maybe they went uh, uh, forced into things that they didn't anticipate. Whatever led to this moment, we ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to seek and save that which is lost. We pray for an anointing from heaven and that you would bring down strongholds, that you would literally uh, send your angels into the streets and that, God, you would do work and we would see rescued people and hope would come to the hopeless. We pray, God, that you would call us to prayer. Those of us that are on the front lines or those that are at home or at work or we can't be somewhere, we can pray. And I pray that you'd stir our hearts to pray and that, Lord, we would do what you've called us to do on this earth at this time and this season. We pray for anointing and we ask for a good week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. To God be the glory. You may be seated. Thank you, Mike. We're so excited for the help that we're getting to, to reach the people in our city. And uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for all that God is doing. You know, this also is the opening weekend. Uh, we're welcoming our Emmanuel Leadership College students back to Emmanuel. They're in Spring Lake Park today. And uh, we're so excited to have them back. You're going to see them in each and every location. Uh, part of what God is doing here. And I love what God is doing in the next generation. We're in a brand new series starting today, and uh, the series is called In Tune. In Tune. Everybody said, In Tune. <laughs> now, there's a, there's a power in art and music that can move our innermost heart and soul, expressing thoughts that we resonate with. How many like music? You like it? How many, you know, uh, I don't know what style of music you like. Uh, that's where we might be in diverse, diversity within the church. But I can tell you, when you begin to listen to something, it takes you somewhere. And one of the great songs of the church history, a hymn, a great song, uh, was has a backstory. And I'm going to talk about the backstory to Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, a great hymn. Uh, there's a story about a guy named Robert Robinson. From, he lived from 1735 all the way to 1790. 
At 16 years of age, he heard a preacher, an evangelist, who was named George Whitfield, who's known as the one of the great preachers of revival and the Great Awakening. And when he heard him, it stirred something in his heart. How many know it doesn't always happen at once, but the seeds that were planted there led to him giving his life to Christ three and a half years later. And it was such a powerful moment for him when he gave his life to Jesus that uh, he felt the call of God to go preach himself. And sure enough, a few years later, he was preaching And throughout all of New England, he was preaching in Methodist and Baptist churches. And and in May of 1758, when he was preparing a message at 22 years of age, Robinson Penn, come thou fount of every blessing. And for his sermon, it was on Pentecost Sunday. Later, that sermon was, or that poem, if you will, was turned into a hymnal, and it's become a classic. And the opening lines of that classic are these words. Come thou founts of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Tune my heart. Say that with me. Tune my heart. A 22-year-old recognized that he needed to reconnect, to recalibrate his life around his creator. In the lyrics, he's saying, I'm looking to my creator for help in tuning my heart to stay connected. When a heart gets out of tune, it's playing at a different pitch. If it was a car, it isn't running right. It doesn't sound right. Something is off. And when a heart is in sync, however, everything works. It's a good syncopation. It functions. It, it, it honors. It loves. In marriage, when a marriage is in sync, how many know that they, the two work like teammates? They're in this thing together. And when a family is in sync, they work through anything that is difficult and they stick together. When an organization, a business, a, a church is in sync and its heart is in tune, if you will, then everything works. My uh, mentor, Dr. Gordon Anderson, former president of North Central University, he used to say this. He had observed so much. He said, listen, I've observed organizations and there are organizations that have the worst strategy. They have the worst structure, but they have good people and somehow it works. He said, but I've looked at businesses and organizations, and in our case, schools, that had everything right. It seemed like they did everything right. They had the strategy down. They had the, everything seemed perfect, but they didn't have the right people, and it wouldn't work. It all comes back to the heart. When the heart is in sync, everything works. Before sin, we were in constant contact with our creator. He was walking and talking with us in the garden. If you looked at Genesis, you will see that God was the source that Adam and Eve trusted and enjoyed and connected with. God spoke and the sounds and the DNA of God were linked with them. They were inseparable. 
It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings or man in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings, man, in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, the creation account is told different ways, actually, chapter to chapter. But I want you to see that it says, and God said, let us make humans. He spoke it. How many know he did that with land, and he did that with sea, and he did it with the sky, and he did it with light, and he did it with nighttime. So he spoke things. God's voice has a way of resonating at the deepest level of his creation. Humanity was the only creation that was different than all other creation. And with humanity, not only did he speak where the DNA inside of us resonates at the, the, the syncopation or rhythm of heaven, but also he breathed his self into us, life into us. The Zoe, our very essence comes from God. But When it comes to what we do with life, we can't do it without him. In this particular passage that I just read to you, it says that uh, humanity, Adam and Eve, they ruled over all of creation. They had work to do. They didn't have a church building. They didn't have a service and a worship service. All they had was walking and talking with God and then doing the work he called them to do. And as long as they stayed in sync with God, everything in creation worked as well. But how many know there's a consequence called sin? Because when sin came in, it disconnected the link. The rhythm was out of sync, out of tune. Something didn't function right. And the ripple effect wasn't just with Adam and Eve. It was also in everything underneath Adam and Eve's responsibilities. It affected their relationship with each other. Eventually, it affected their own children. It affected creation itself was disrupted. And the effect that Adam and Eve had on all of us is profound. For Adam and Eve, when they had sinned, they had eaten of the fruit that they were forbidden to eat from. They felt shame and they hid from God. Before they had looked to and trusted God for everything, they were willing to obey his boundaries. Sin, the serpent, changed that. And the consequence was disconnection. Disconnection. When we are out of tune, nothing works right. Our marriage can struggle. Families can wander away from trusting the Lord and worshiping the Lord. Our career can get out of control. And even the news itself can cause us to have anxiety in our hearts. Later in that same come thou fount of every blessing, the lines go, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the, thy courts above. Here's my heart. So the worship song, the hymnal, is essentially declaring to God, I recognize I'm prone to get out of tune. 
And I am going to give my heart back to you because only you know how to get me back to being in tune. The epic narrative of the Bible is a sweeping tale of God going to extreme lengths to reopen the channels with us. How do we get our souls back to the creator who knows us best? And the answer is worship. The offering of praise to God for who he is and the humble posture of people returning their heart to God. Worship is the vehicle that takes you back to the creator. Say that with me. Worship is the vehicle that takes you back to the creator. Turn to the person next to you and say, you got to go back. <laughs> Literally, you're going to find the subject of worship from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. Adam and Eve's kids were able to bring worship and reconnection to God. If you see it in Genesis, you'll see that both Cain and Abel had an opportunity to worship. We don't know all the forms of it. We just knew that God said, I want a specific thing. Abel brought the right thing, which was the, the flock, part of his flock. And Cain brought the wrong thing. He brought his own design. So there is a way to worship and there's a way to not worship. How many know when Cain didn't want to do it God's way, it cost him? And it didn't just cost him, it cost him his brother because then an out-of-tune heart ended up murdering a brother. Worship was a big, big deal. Later on in Genesis, you'll see that Abraham hears God's voice and seeks to obey and follow God's voice. And he built altars and, and so did his descendants and they trusted God. And when they didn't trust God, there were consequences to the heart leaving God. Moses received specific instructions for how to worship and how to connect with God through the law. And if you look at the Old Testament, you see all these forms of worship that were specific reconnections to God. And God promised a covenant. You know what a covenant is? It's a, a bedrock commitment back to us. If we would follow him and worship him only, then he would provide his blessings. And the people of Israel heard this and they went in cycles of obe obeying God and then leaving God, going through the discipline and then repenting and then God would restore his love to them. Ultimately, the back and forth cycles ended when Jesus shows up and Jesus, death and resurrection, reopened the channels to have incredible connection with our creator. It's by the blood of Jesus that we get to worship, not our own righteousness. Come on, somebody. And worship is available for anyone worldwide. I'm laying the groundwork today for a series that we're in because I want you to hear the background to why it's important for you to worship. For Emmanuel, I am wanting to challenge us to go through a tune-up. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need a tune-up. So that we can experience everything that God has for us. For new believers to stretch and grow their worship legs. Some of you may be new to faith or maybe new to this particular style of singing and worship when we gather. And sometimes it can be overwhelming when you step in. You're like, everybody's got their hands up like antennas to the sky. And 
and it's loud and some people are moving and some people are free. You can develop your worship legs. You can grow in your worship. And those of us that have been long-term believers, we need to grow in our worship and intercession to, to not just be consumer with our worship, to, but to there, there to be an open channel to hear from God. For God to communicate with us so that when we're gathering to worship or we're worshiping at home or we just bow by ourselves and worship the creator, we're not just asking for things from God, but we're worshiping the creator and then we're hearing from him his instructions for our lives. But we are to not rely on others in doing it for us. Now, there's a danger sometimes even in the church world where we go through services where we really rely on that worship team to come up. And this service better be good. You better get me there. Hope the sound is good. Hope it's not too loud. Hope it's not too quiet. Hope they pick the right songs. We rely on somebody else to worship for us. Nobody else is responsible but you for your worship. I believe that God is ready to expand his communication with us, church. Yes, it's a foreboding, dark era where there's a lot of confusion going on around us. But I'm going to tell you something. In the middle of the darkest moments, God wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to you. And the only way that you can hear his voice if the communication channel is open Prophetically, God is going to show up in Lakeville and Maple Grove and Elk River and Spring Lake Park. He's going to help us rebuild our personal altars as we seek God to tune our hearts and sing his grace. I want to give you three ways as we get started of how to begin tuning your heart. How to begin tuning your heart. The first thing is this. Turn to God in humility. Turn to God in humility. Now, we get to choose who gets our worship, who gets our attention, because we're going to worship one way or another. It's a part of nature. I think it was C.S. Lewis. I heard it this week in the one-year Bible, Nikki Gumbel. He was talking about a C.S. Lewis quote on, on how everything in nature, we just naturally worship. We naturally connect. We naturally do that. It's like awe at a sporting event. Should the Vikings win? <laughs> there's a natural response to a touchdown or a sack or a turnover. There's a, there's a natural response to uh, two people that are in love when they see each other. There's a natural response. Uh, there's a, a groom at the end of an aisle when the music is playing and there's something different that happens when the doors swing open and the bride comes down and that look on the groom's face. Uh, there is a natural connection that you're built with. You can connect with God, but you have to do it in a humble way of recognizing who he is and who you're not. Recognizing there is a difference. Uh, and sometimes we get caught up in looking at other things and we miss God. Now we've got some toddlers in our family again, and, uh, and it's fun as they get to learn to walk and and, and do all kinds of things. And, and we laugh at things when they're real young that we wouldn't laugh at later on, don't we? 
Uh, yeah, that's funny. It's not as funny later on, but it's funny right now. Uh, my, our grandson Milo uh, is just a bundle of joy. And Milo, um, he's about this tall, and he's been walking for a few months, and now he's running. And sometimes he runs into things, and sometimes <laughs> other. But if you could imagine, I have to do this. Uh, his his uh, uh, point of view is very different than mine. You know, down low, I'm down here, and all of a sudden, everything seems different down here. I I, I see things. I see kneecaps down here. I I don't. <laughs> I see shoes down here, and there have been a few times. Uh, over, over the last couple months that Milo will be running around and, and I'll say something, but he doesn't hear me because I'm not down there. Down there, he sees his toy or he sees a car or he sees a ball or something else that he's really interested in. So he'll be running along and I'll be walking towards him and all of a sudden, he'll almost run into me and he'll go, The rest of the time, his mind wasn't up here. It was down here. And when it comes to worship, it requires us going like this and remembering to be in awe of God, that he's bigger than us, that he's loving and he's kind and thinking of his attributes. Jesus quotes from the Old Testament when he's accept or rejecting Satan's offer of worship out in the desert when he was tempted in Luke chapter 4. Jesus replies to Satan's offer. The scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. There is only to be one God that we worship, but sometimes we're in the kneecap world. Other things are getting our attention and we would pause, humble ourselves. It's foundational. We can't worship anyone else. Worship begins with acknowledging who God is and who we're not. And we need to be honest to admit who we have trusted in other than God sometimes. Sometimes we've trusted in ourselves. Sometimes it's been all about us or we've trusted in others. But Jesus said in John chapter 4 to the woman, at the well, the Samaritan woman. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? I don't want to unpack that particular verse as far as I could today. But it's, it's being truthful. And it's being the core of who you are, everything you are, pausing. And he shares this with a Samaritan woman who's been married multiple times, living with a person that was not her husband. And Jesus is essentially saying her opportunity to worship God is the same as anybody else's. If she can just be honest before God, recognize who she's not, but recognize how good he is. How to begin tuning your heart, number two, is this. Give God access to your heart. Give God access to your heart. Famous verse here, 
spoiler alert, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Anybody ever heard these verses? I want you to read them out loud with me. They'll be on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust the Lord with some of your heart. What does it say? All your heart. What does that mean? You know, I think in modern eras, what we do with our heart, we fall in love, out of love. And there's a whole bunch of definitions, different definitions about what the heart world is about. But biblically speaking, the heart is the control room of your life. It's where the thoughts and the feelings and the dreams and the disappointments are found. It's that inner world. And our hearts are erratic sometimes, are they not? They go up and they follow our thoughts and our thoughts randomly go this way and then our feelings follow our thoughts and we think about one thing enough then you know what nobody ever fell out of love they thought themselves out of love so there's a whole bunch of moments to your thoughts and so trusting in the Lord with all your heart means trusting in, in, in the Lord with every part of your story to not withhold that from God Often we give restricted access to certain people. Think about your social media. Who gets to see what? On Sundays, Christians often just give God Sunday morning and the rest of the week, hey, stay out of that space, God. But how many know God wants it all? Access to where our heart goes. Trusting means taking everything to God and letting him see us, when, uh, how many of you have ever heard Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace, a great song, and the author, John Newton, um, it is said that when he didn't feel right, or as we would say today, he felt stressed out. Anybody here ever feel stressed out? Newton would say, my harp is out of tune. When our thoughts and our mind wander and we begin to, to, to dwell on certain things that are, it kind of takes us out of tune, we need God to get us back. We, we require a reconnection. And if we don't give God access to our thoughts, he can't fix our hearts. So we've got to give him the capacity. We've got to turn it over to him. Access requires confession. Access requires confession. Psalm 32, 3. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Now, confession isn't just I did something wrong. Confession is saying to God exactly as it is. Talking to God about what's really going on on the inside. This is why I, I love the Psalms, because in the Psalms, you see these authors that will just say whatever's going on. And it's not always the pretty stuff. It's the raw, real stuff. And how many know God's not afraid of your darkest stuff? He knows what's going on on the inside. It's just a matter of whether or not you're going to let him in and give him access. Biblical confession comes from two Greek words, homo logeo. Homo meaning the same, logeo meaning to speak. Confession is speaking the same thing to God as what he already sees. 
How many know God already sees it anyways? But our question is whether or not we're going to give him access to where we are. Speaking the same thing to God as what he already sees. And holding it in won't help you. Proverbs 20, 28 says this. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Now listen, I, I know we've got a lot that goes on. We, we care a lot of weight. Moms and dads, I want you to hear this quote I ran across. The more parents care, the more they carry. <laughs> that could be true of all of us, right? The more we care, the more we carry. The more they need to cast their cares on Jesus. So whatever you're going through, the more you carry, the more you need to open up that channel of confession. Something you will see throughout the Psalms is a collection of poetry that expresses the heart without hypocrisy. It's raw and healthy. David in Psalm 51, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, he says, against you and you only have I sinned. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Anything can be brought to Jesus, and it's not just sin. It's everything. So if you want to tune your heart, if you want, then you got to recognize, I can't just sing somebody else's words on the screen. Worship isn't just regurgitating what somebody else is feeling. It's also dropping your guard and saying, God, here I am. Tune my heart. Prone to wander. God, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So I'm coming back to you. Take my heart. How to begin tuning your heart. Number three, let God transform your perspective. Let God transform your perspective. You might be at a knee-high level looking up at God, but let him change your perspective on things. I love the Psalms. I've been talking about this. And we're going to be talking from the Psalms this entire series. But Psalm 73 is one of my favorite. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take it out. No matter what version you have right now, how many of your paper Bibles? Let me see them. Wave them in the air like you just don't care. All right. God, I'm pulling them out. I'm going to keep double dog daring you to get you so, yourself a paper Bible. Bring it to church. Start writing in it. Um, underline the phrases that God impresses you with. I typically will speak out of the New Living Translation. Um, sometimes the NIV I'll, I'll use. Um, there's a lot of great uh, versions out there. I'll look for the most accurate in my studies, just so you know. And I'll work for, so I'm not going to just throw ideas into the scripture. I want my messages to come from the scripture. But in Psalm 73, you will see an individual who is talking to God, singing about their reality, what's going on inside their heart, and see how God transitions their perspective on life. How many would like a different perspective on what you're going through? This is the way that God will lead you through perspective change. I'm going to read right through the whole chapter, Psalm 73. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. Anybody ever 
look at others and like, they don't go to church and they're not tithing and everything's going great for them. But what about me? They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil in their pride. They seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiplied. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I'd really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. How many have ever been in those moments? Just kind of stuck in this spot where it seems like the whole world is going down. Every conspiracy is coming true. Everything seems so bad. What's going on? Verse 16. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. And then I went into your sanctuary. Underline that in your Bibles. Then. Everybody say then. So everything up until this moment is pre-worship. Everything else is pre-connection. But it is begin, it's humbling. It's acknowledging what's really going on. It's giving God access through confession. None of that is bad. Okay? None of that is bad, especially if you're bringing it to God. But then you need to not stay in your depression, in your frustration. Now it's time to go to the house of God. Now it's time to go worship the Lord. Now it's time to reconnect with your creator. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. And when you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. And then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. And yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. He's starting to sound really different, isn't he? My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of what? My heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Come on, somebody. That is worship. So I'm getting close to landing the plane here, and I just wanted to, I want to tell you something. God is going to lead all of us, not just on the outside, 
but truly on the inside, moving back to a place where we're taking our heart back to the place where it's in tune. It's tuned up where God will take us through that. And we have got to be face to face with God. He's not afraid of all the other stuff you've gone through. He's not overwhelmed by the mistakes you've made. He's not, he's not like biting his nails because there's a whole bunch of evil going on in the world. What God is doing is he's waiting for his creation to come back to him. And he has made a way for you to talk to him. And sometimes it means getting rid of all the outward stuff and get it back to the simple. Getting back to the heart of worship. Some of you remember the old song, The Heart of Worship, that was sung in churches for many years. And the story behind that song by Matt Redman was that he was a worship leader at a church called Soul Survivor Church in England. At that church in that era, worship was really a big deal and it was taken over and uh, CDs were being played all over the world. CDs, that'll tell you what decade it is, right? People were singing their songs. And then it became about the rock band and the, the noise and the lights and the cameras. And, and everybody was into the mood of the music. And there was a point in time in which the pastor of the church went to the front. And then it was a young church, mostly people in their 20s and 30s. And the pastor discerned that amidst the music and fervor, something was missing. Maybe it could be described as an authenticity in worship. Maybe the lines were blurred between worshiping God and loving the music. Whatever was happening, this is how Redmond describes it. He says there was a dynamic missing. So the pastor did a pretty brave thing. He decided to get rid of the sound system and the band for a season, and they gathered together with just their voices and an acoustic guitar. And his point was that we had lost our way in worship, and the way to get it back to the heart, we to strip everything away. Whatever followed was probably a few awkward services for a typically upstart young crowd. No drums, no guitars, no microphones, in fact, no sound system. <laughs> no worship leader at the front with a band and a loud sound where you can feel your heartbeat with every thump of the kick drum. No comments today for me about our church, okay? <laughs> no music set of 48 songs planned. They just had to get back to the heart of it. And the song started with, when the music fades, and all is stripped away. And I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you, Jesus. Church, can I ask you to stand today in each of our locations? At this point, I don't feel like God is calling us to shut the sound system off or to eliminate everything, but I am calling everybody under the sound of my voice to get back to the heart of worship, where it's just you and your creator, to talk to him, 
to humble yourself before God, to recognize maybe your worship has gone other things, redirecting it back to him, and giving God access to your heart and allowing him to give you his perspective. I believe he'll do that. I'm gonna pray for us and at the end of my prayer in each of our locations, I'm just gonna ask you to, we'll sing that song, The Heart of Worship. I'm just gonna ask you, church, do whatever you need to do to strip away the outward stuff. Some of you might just stand there and have your own personal conversation with God. You don't need to sing the words if that's what you're doing. God's doing something else and you can't. Some of you might want to bow down on your knee. Some of you might want to go to the front of the room. We call the front in many of our locations the, the altar, the old-fashioned space. That's a great word for matches the Old Testament where we're coming to put our heart on the altar. It doesn't matter what your outward action is. I just want to encourage you, go into the presence of God today. Jesus, we just thank you that you did not leave us disconnected, but you went the full distance to restore that link that we would have with you. Fully restore it, not halfway, but Lord, through the work of Jesus on the cross and what you did for us, we ask God that as a church, that this would be a church of people that truly want you, not just hype, and we don't just get into the mood of things, but Lord, we would be people that our heart, if it's wandered and it's prone to wander, we bring it back to you and say, tune my heart, Lord. Tune it up. Get me in sync with you. I want to hear what you're thinking about my life today. Give us your perspective as we wait upon you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.